Hello and welcome to Staff Picks, the podcast by movie nerds for movie nerds where we take the movies out there that maybe need a little more love in the world, a little more attention, and we try to introduce them to a new audience. As always, I'm Mario Lanza, and uh, we got a very special show for you today. We have a movie that, uh, uh, I'll, okay, I'll save the surprise for you once we get to it, but uh, let me introduce my guest here. We're going to talk about a movie called Three O'Clock High from uh, the mid-80s, I think 19, or late 80s, 1987, 88. And uh, my guest here today, he's a good friend of mine. We go back a long way. We met at a uh, reality TV event a couple years ago. His name is Randy Bailey, and uh, welcome to the show, Randy. Let's talk about this one. Hey, what's going on, Mario? Randy doesn't know this because I'm going to surprise him with something, but he may not remember he ever told me this. But, you know, I kind of talk out of my butt from time to time. You may have noticed that, you know, I know every movie ever made. I, I'm like this expert on obscure movies. But Randy, I remember the first time I met him, I told him, yeah, I'm the, I'm the big movie guy. I love this. I love all these movies. I'm the guy who knows everything. And Randy's like, you know, Junior, I was doing that when you were like five years old. I was memorizing movie quotes long before you were doing it. So... Randy, I, I'm I'm so proud to have you on the show because you were like my mentor now. You were someone that was doing this before I was doing it. What I, I don't remember that conversation, but if if you said it happened, I I'll take your word for it. Yeah, and nobody's ever told me that before because I can be a bit much. I can be a little overbearing, and you just basically said flat out, "Bring me on the show, and I'll introduce you to some movies." And that's what I love about this is that. Randy and I had talked about a movie that we thought would be good for the show, something that was underloved or underrated. And he said, well, how about Three O'Clock High? That's a good one that not a lot of people know. And I was like, okay, that's good. And, and I'm thinking, I've never even heard of that movie before. <laughs> so Randy backed up his, his, uh, his words here by pulling out a movie out of his butt that I'd never even heard of. And a good movie at that. It is a good movie. And I, I watched it. I rented it about two months ago and watched it for the first time. I, I we recently watched it a second and third time. And I really like it. Like, I'm really happy you introduced this movie to me because it's very rare that someone can pull a movie from the 80s that I'd never heard of before. How how do you rent movies nowadays? I I thought that was a thing of the past. Yeah, the, there's one blockbuster still up in Alaska. I have a uh, card there, a membership. <laughs> Are you serious? No, I'm not serious. I, <laughs> I got it from uh, from Netflix. They have it on Netflix on the DVD. I'm still on the DVD plan where they ship me physical okay. DVDs. So. They have it. They, it comes in and out on Netflix on the uh, streaming. Okay. I went to Pirate Bay and downloaded it. Okay, yeah. For the rest of the world that uses streaming, like, listen to Randy. Don't listen to me. I can only tell you how to get the physical DVD. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pay to rent a movie. <laughs> okay, so I need to get your back history. Like, how do you know so many movies? Like you said, you kind of you know put me in the, my place that one time, saying that you were doing this long before I was. How did you get to acquire such a vast uh, library of movies in your head? I, uh, when I lived in Texas, I, uh, I've lived probably half my life in Texas and I owned, uh, I owned a couple of restaurants that were doing pretty well, believe it or not. And, uh, you know, I'd work 10 or 15 hour work weeks and that gave me a lot of time to lay on the sofa. And, and, uh, this was actually when Blockbuster was open, mm. you know, I'd, I'd go through two, three movies a day, usually at least. And, so this uh, would be mid late eighties, somewhere in there. This was probably 85 to, uh, you know, probably for a decade through 95, 98, somewhere like there. Then I lost all my money and had to work for a living. So uh, I don't still watch a lot of movies, but not like I used to. But you will always have those glory years when you could watch VHS from Blockbuster endlessly. And yeah, as well as Showtime and HBO. And yeah, my my life is kind of backwards I, I was kind of retired in my 20s and 30s, and now that I'm old, I have to work for a living. So, well, I'm glad you're here to talk about your your glory days back in the 80s. Yeah, let's let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah, it's this is something I had mentioned in my promo episode that how I really acquired this knowledge of movies is by the just the sheer fact that I was an unpopular kid who didn't like hanging out with other people. So I would always just rent movies and go home and watch them by myself or with my brother. And there was this uh, video store, this place called Hollywood Video, not related to the chain. It was just a independent. I, I remember it. I remember. Yeah. But it was a, they had this special, I know, at one point in the 80s where it was like, you can rent any seven movies for seven nights for $7, as long as they weren't a new release. And that's wow. how I, I would just pick up these random movies that you never would watch otherwise. But I'm like, well, for a buck, I'll watch that. Okay. And so that's, I'm assuming you were, had similar phases like that where you just would watch these movies endlessly and it sounds like you kind of would just pick them up like I did, that where you just, they would lodge in your head and you wouldn't forget them. I can remember going to Blockbuster and, and renting two movies a day and, and they were like two or three bucks a piece and 
going back the next day. And, and uh, it, it, I think it was a three-day rental. And if you returned them after one day, you got a dollar off new rentals or whatever. And I, I can remember with my VCR uh, eating the tape of a, v, <laughs> of a VHS and, and the Blockbuster charging me like 60 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, those tape prices were insane. Oh, they were crazy. I, and uh, yeah, what this this one movie? I, I it, it wasn't even a a great movie. It was just because I watched every single movie that ever came out, and you know it, it cost me eighty bucks because my <laughs> VCR ate it. So so now somewhere on your credit record it says that you paid eighty dollars for a copy of Grease Two. It well, it wasn't it wasn't that bad of a movie, but <laughs> it was. Uh, what was that movie about air traffic controllers? Oh, with Billy Bob Thornton, I think. Yeah, that was uh, what was I do remember seeing that. Yeah, there was it was like a love triangle of air traffic controllers. Yeah, I don't I don't re- I can't remember the name, but that's what my VCR ate, and it ended up costing <laughs> me a hundred bucks. So, uh, and now I can I, I download anything for free on you know Pirate Bay or or you know Netflix has got plenty of stuff. But <laughs> yeah, good times in the eighties. Going to the the uh, blockbuster, and sometimes you had to rent the VCR. That was the other thing. I mean, clearly, with you were rolling around in money at the time, you didn't need to. But like, my family would sometimes have to rent the physical VCR along with renting the movie. So, good time. <laughs> yeah, it was like in a little suitcase. It was like a, you were like a spy. It opened up, and there was a VCR in there. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I can remember borrowing my neighbor's VCR whenever I had a movie that I wanted my own personal copy. You know, mm-hmm. and and, re- and record VCR to VCR and. Mm-hmm. Uh, after about five plays, all you're all you're looking at is snow on the screen. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I had I had a giant drawer like six feet long and three feet deep that I, I probably had two or three hundred VCR movies in it. You know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I, I just threw all those away, you know, a decade ago. Yeah. See, these younger people, these younger people don't realize the struggle that we went through in the 80s just to get entertainment in our house. Yeah, it's. Okay, so let's talk about Three O'Clock High. Again, this is one that I thought, I mean, there's a lot of 80s movies I knew about and never seen, and I'm embarrassed to say, like, I just saw Footloose for the first time like two years ago, but I knew about it. But Three O'Clock High just completely was over my head. You had mentioned it, and I'm like, oh, that sounds kind of interesting, and I looked it up, and it says, yeah, it's basically a Western. They took a Western movie, and they set it in an 80s high school, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of fun. It's kind of quirky. Like, how did you know about this movie? How, like, you weren't in high school when this came out, so this you wouldn't have been the prime demographic for this movie. No, I, I think I saw it on, like, Showtime or HBO, you know, two or three years after it was in, in theaters. And, and I, I just saw it by accident. You know, it was great. I've, I've probably seen it six or eight times now. Yeah, it's 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 really good. And again, the first time I watched it, just like a couple, a couple weeks ago, I was like, well, that was kind of good. Like, it, it, I wouldn't call it like one of the best movies of the 80s, but it was quirky. Like, it's got a distinct style yeah, to it. Yeah, it's, it's it's not a Titanic or anything, but it but it's a, a it's a good movie. You know, I and I just realized today after uh, knowing about this movie for decades and seeing it several times, I just it dawned on me today that the title is a play on words. Ah, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, I just realized that a a couple hours ago when I was thinking about doing this podcast with you. You know, you remember the movie High Noon? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, three o'clock high. I mean, I'm not going to explain the the play on words, but you you see it. Mm -hmm. High Noon right there. Yep. Yeah, that, that that's the thing that I think we we again we're kind of selling movies to people that wouldn't have seen them. And this is one. This is going to be one of the the more obscure movies we've talked about on Staff Picks. And that that's but that's kind of the thing that that people need to know before you watch this movie. It's really it's a it indeed is high noon. It's a western where there's a big gunfight at at noon or at three o'clock in this movie, and it's basically a kid and the bully. They're going to fight, and it's the whole day leading up to <clears throat> it's yeah the whole day leading up to this fight. And this kid is terrified. He's going to get his ass kicked at three o'clock. But the weirdest thing is how quirky it is. Like um, uh, we did a, an episode a while back on My Bodyguard. You know My Bodyguard, right? From nineteen eighty. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And it's funny to compare that movie to this movie where they're both. You know, a new kid in school, big scary guy. There's a bully. There's a little kid, it's and they're similar. they're yeah, they're very similar. But it's weird because, like, the difference between what a teen movie looked like in 1980 versus this one, which I think is 1988 or 89, what a teen movie looked like then. 87, 87. 87 that was it. Yeah. So in seven years, that's 
what the teen movie genre looked like. It changed by by the end of the eighties. It was much more quirky, stylistic, just flashy. It's and that's one thing that really jumps out at me when I watch this movie. What a product of its time it is. Well, the the movie My Bodyguard and and other teen movies in the eighties, like uh, oh, a lot of them, they were all realistic and everything that happened could actually happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Three o'clock high is more of a fantasy. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that just there's no way they're going to happen, which makes it, like you said, quirky and funny. The uh, the one thing that really jumped out at me when I watched this, did you ever see the TV show Parker Lewis Can't Lose in the late 80s, early 90s? No, never even yeah. heard of it. OK, it was this Fox show and it was very quirky, bright colors, stylistic, flash, MTV jump cuts. Very much like this movie, Three O'Clock High, for people who know Parker Lewis Can't Lose. This is kind of like the precursor to Parker Lewis Can't Lose, that style of a teen comedy, teen show. It's, it yeah, really it's, jumped out at me. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. It, it's it's like comedic editing. Yes. It, it, it's, it's not funny just because what what's happening is funny. The the editing and the sound effects and, and stuff is is brilliant, which makes it 10 times more funny. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's just, it's kind of a little masterpiece in its own way. Although again, I wouldn't call this like the best eighties teen movie I've ever seen, but like, I can't really think of anything other than the obvious, my bodyguard where it really compares to it. Just, it's its own thing. <laughs> it's yeah. Just, just thinking about uh, some of the scenes and it makes me giggle. I, my two favorite scenes, you know, and, and with my video editing background, I can really appreciate this movie. You know, I edited weddings for 10 years and, uh, I've done some other professional editing, but uh-huh. the, the two scenes that, that stick out to me is, is the one scene where Jerry Mitchell is in, I think he's in either the head of security's office or the principal's office. And he, he sits down and he's just intimidated by his surroundings. And they, and they show all these stuffed heads <laughs> on, on the wall with, you know, screams and, and gunshots and stuff, you know, added in. And, you, you know, I can't, I can't explain how funny the editing is. You have to see it. Do you, you remember the scene? I know exactly what scene you're talking about. Yeah, it's yeah, it's all this over-the-top giant head staring down at him. <laughs> right. and they just do these zoom cuts and close-ups and try to make it look super ominous. And meanwhile, he's just in the principal's office. Right. And, and the other scene that is so funny is where uh, he, he takes the note that was stabbed into his, his steering wheel. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to uh, – he's pulling it out of his pocket to show the head of security – and a gust of wind blows it away, and they, they cut to a, uh, a a scene of of the piece of paper being blown into the stadium, and they have a, a sound effect of the wind. It's just it's just hilarious. The the editing is 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 great. Yeah, there was apparently a tornado at that moment that really took yeah. that piece of paper and blew it up into the air. And, and do, do you recall that scene that I'm talking about? Yeah, I know exactly when the duke comes and then confronts him against the fence. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know that the history behind this movie, like how it got made? I was reading up on this one about how Steven Spielberg was involved and stuff. Like, are you aware of all that? I thought it was pretty funny. Not all of it. I, I didn't know Steven Spielberg was involved. Okay, good. Now I get to teach you something. I'm so excited. Since you you gave me the gift of three o'clock high, I will give you this gift. Um, so basically, yeah, Steven Spielberg was the producer of this movie, and he hired this uh, first time director. What was the guy's name? His name was Phil Janu, Janu or something like that. And basically the plan was this was supposed to be like the Karate Kid. It was just supposed to be a very straight high school teen movie. Like a little, the young guy stands up against the bully. And then this guy, John U, took it and said, well, I don't want to do that. I'm going to do something crazy with it. And he basically, he made a, a turned it into a Western. He turned it into a, an homage to Martin Scorsese's uh, After Hours. You've seen that movie? I have not. Okay, that's this crazy movie. I'm not, a, I'm not a Scorsese fan. Okay. Neither am I, to be honest. So I'm glad you said that. So I'm not the only one here. But yeah, it's this crazy over-the-top thing. So Steven Spielberg took a look at this movie after Janu made it. And he's like, I wanted the Karate Kid. You gave me a Scorsese movie. And he like basically took his name off the credits. So Steven Spielberg, a lot of people don't know he was involved with it. And so this movie didn't do well because it was too quirky. It was not conventional. And so that's kind of the history behind it, that this guy just created his own little work of art and kind of ticked off Steven Spielberg. So you you uh, did look into it. it. It did not do well at the box office? It did not do especially well, no. I mean, it wasn't like a, a you know historic flop, but it clearly wasn't like E.T. or The Goonies or anything. Yeah, yeah. And, and for the first time, as many times as I've seen this movie and as much as I know about it, 
I did not do the the parallel to an old western, but I totally see that now that yeah. you bring that up. It's you know the the you know the slow motion shots like at the beginning in mm-hmm. the bathroom where where Jerry Mitchell slaps uh, Buddy Ravel on the shoulder, mm-hmm. and and when Buddy Ravel is like looking down at his hand touching his shoulder, it's just super slow motion with oh yeah with ominous music, just like you know just like a gunfight. Yeah, and they also have the recurring theme in this movie of the clock. They show the clock ticking, 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 ticking. It's very ominous, and which is exactly in a western. You'd see the big clock in the middle of town clicking down until the gunfight. Right, and yeah. Another reason this movie hits home for me is I remember it was seventh, eighth, maybe even ninth grade. This school bully was going to kick my ass, and he wanted to meet me instead of the flagpole. We had this little area uh, across from the school called the path. And that's where people went to fight. And, and I, I can remember, you know, saying all kinds of stuff like, you know, dude, I, I have no reason to fight you, <laughs> which, which, you know, in reality is I'm scared shitless. Yeah, I'm going to lose. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I- anyway, I made it through the whole day. Just, you know, the, the, the seven hour day seemed like it lasted seven years. And then, you know, 30 minutes left in the day, I just went to the, the principal's office and, and tattled. Ah, you pushed out. And, Oh, I did. And and t- to this day, I regret it. I Because of this movie, Three O'Clock High, I wish I had, it, you know, at least gotten my ass kicked. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you'd like, Randy, maybe I can look up the name of the bully and we can arrange some kind of reunion. So maybe you can get the ass beating that you always deserved. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got my share of ass beatings. It just wasn't this time. <laughs> OK, so this this one in particular you missed out. on. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was I, I always talk about this when we talk about the 80s movies on the show. Just what a. What a significant part of your life that was when you were a kid in school back in the 70s and 80s, just knowing who the bullies were, knowing not to piss them off and knowing where not to go after school, because if you got caught there, you were going to get your ass kicked. <laughs> and you do you know a little bit about the, the two actors that played Jerry Mitchell and Buddy Ravel? I do. I've been reading up on them a lot. Yeah. Um, Casey Shamachko yeah. and uh, and what's his name? Uh, Richard Tyson is the guy's name. Yeah. Richard Tyson. Yeah. Okay. And I, I looked at his IMDb today before before this this podcast, and he has done dozens and dozens of things. I mean, if not hundreds of things. His claim to fame was was Kindergarten Cop with, yeah. with Schwarzenegger, but he has done uh, you know, like I said, probably a hundred things. He I, I couldn't believe all the movies that he'd been in. <laughs> yeah, I was reading up on him too, and again, like you, I he for people who don't know, he's the bad guy in Kindergarten Cop. He plays opposite Arnold Schwarzenegger, and when you when you're the big scummy villain in a Schwarzenegger movie, you're a big imposing guy. So this guy Richard Tyson is this huge hulking actor. And he plays the bully in this movie, and he's really, like, quite frightening in this movie. Like, you could buy that he would pound somebody and just murder them at school. And I was reading up on this Richard Tyson actor, and he's, like, from Cornell. Like, he's, like, an Ivy League scholar. And he, like, has been – he's a very well-respected acting coach and teaches in Ivy League schools. I'm like, how did that guy become Buddy Ravel? (laughs) (laughs) You know, and also also – and this is changing the subject a little bit, but all the names – are perfect for the you know the 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 character that they are you know Buddy Ravel is the is the you know the the bully hood you know pot smoking kid and Jerry Mitchell you know is the nerdy guy you know mm-hmm. the, the the names are perfect absolutely and Buddy Ravel is of course everybody's buddy right <laughs> people have okay people haven't seen the movie won't get that that's a good joke <laughs> okay um and yeah you mentioned the star of this movie Casey Shamachko he's it was funny when I was watching this movie for the first time, I was thinking, OK, why did this movie? Why have I never heard of it? Why did it? Why is it kind of forgotten? And I saw, well, Casey Shamachko is the lead. And I'm like, well, that's why, because they couldn't like get one of the big name actors of the 80s. So they got this B, like the B team of the 80s stars. Yeah. And, and he was, uh, you know, Casey was in, in the Young Guns movie. Yeah. I had no idea that he was such a significant figure in the 80s. I was looking at his bio and he's just like Richard Tyson. Like he's in yeah. everything. Everything. He, he he did a couple episodes of The Blacklist. Mm-hmm. He did. Uh, what else did I find? Law and Order. He's done. Well, it, it, to the two that really jumped out at me is he's in Back to the Future. A lot of people don't know that. He's one of Biff's little henchmen. He's the guy that wears the 3D glasses. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. In, he's in, in Back the, to the in Future the, 1, 1 and in 2. In the diner. Yeah, in the di- in the whole movie, like he's there, and and it's funny. The other henchman there is the guy from uh, Titanic, Billy Zane. Like, Biff had some very uh, accomplished henchmen. I didn't know that about Billy Zane, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Billy Zane's been he's great in a million things. Yeah, 
And then he's, Casey, he's he's rarely he's rarely the lead, but but he's always there. Yeah, Titanic's like the one time you know who he was. Right, he was close to the lead, but I had no idea that he was one of <laughs> Biff's henchmen. That's funny. I'm gonna have to go back and watch that. Yeah. Okay. Now I'll I'll go even further with this. Casey Shamachko. Not only was he one of Biff's henchmen, then you go to Stand by Me, and he's one of Ace Merrill's. He's one of Kiefer Sutherland's little henchmen. Man, that, yeah. I did not know that. And and I have watched <laughs> Stand by Me half a dozen times at least, if not more. That's yeah. one of my favorites. So if you were a thug in a movie and you needed a henchman, Casey Samachko was the perfect guy. And then the movie that I even forgot that he was in, he's in the uh, Of Mice and Men with Gary Sinise and John Malkovich in the 90s. And Samachko's like that. the villain in that. Yeah, he's curly. But you, you don't remember him in any of these movies. unless sure. you, you know, one thing I, I always do when I, when I watch a movie, I will always watch the credits and freeze it every, you know, because the credits go by too fast. Mm-hmm. And... You know, quite often you'll see somebody playing the role of like gun store owner. You know, they don't even have a name in the the movie or something. Mm -hmm. And it'll be it'll be somebody that's, you know, not yet famous or or you you know what I'm talking about. Exactly. Yeah. It's like there's a a guy named Bill Simmons has a website. He calls these actors that guys where you just know their face. You don't know their name. He just calls them that guys like in uh, in Terminator Mm -hmm. at the very beginning. Bill Paxton is one of the goons. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Did you know that? I did. I just learned that recently. He's very young, and it's hard to even recognize him. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That's another movie that that we should have done. What was it? Bill Paxton was in that movie with uh, Anthony Michael Hall. Uh, Weird Science. Weird Science, yeah. Yeah. I, I, the, the problem with that's, that's a John Hughes movie. And I, I really lose a lot of my street cred if I start throwing John Hughes movies as being underrated eighties classics. <laughs> yeah. And that, that movie was not underrated at all. That was, uh, yeah, it's very popular. Like right. I think most people actually like weird science more than I do. It's not one of my personal favorites, but I do like Paxton in it. Paxton always makes me laugh. And no matter what movie he was in. Yeah, he he was he he played Chet, if I remember right. <laughs> yes, another another example of a perfect name for the, for the character. You know, Chet. it would it wouldn't have worked if his name was something like Waldo or something. <laughs> you know, it had to be Chet. Exactly. Okay, so let's walk through the plot of this movie and kind of explain it to people now that we've hyped it a little bit for them. Uh, do you have your notes? You've been watching. You've been watching this movie recently. It's fresh in your head. Oh, pretty fresh. I I did my rewatch about a month or so ago, and and uh, so plus I've okay. seen it. I, I've seen it ten times or so, so yeah. I'm in good shape. I'm in no position to sit here and question your knowledge of Three O'clock High since I'd never seen it until a month ago. So I will fully defer to you on this one. Okay, so we start the movie. It's uh, and I have to say this is probably my favorite part of the movie. There's a lot of things I like about Three O'clock High, but the opening. And I'll just say this, and it's funny, without me even getting into it too much, people will know what I'm talking about, that it's got to be the most 80s opening to a movie I have ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's exactly like dozens of movies we've seen. The, the Getting Ready for School, which kind of reminds me of uh, Varsity Blues. Uh-huh. You, you, know, the, you know, they're going to school in the pickup truck. And, mm-hmm. uh, and some Ferris Bueller maybe in there. Yeah. And uh, I think 10 Things I Hate About You, I think, also... Begins with the montage getting ready for. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the frantic getting ready for school montage, the the right. manic Monday, if you will. Right. When you're when you're rolling opening credits and stuff. It yeah. Works, so though. it works. This opening scene is really fun. And it's funny. I was reading some uh, reviews on Rotten Tomatoes that said, if you can get through the first five minutes of this movie and you like that kind of movie, then you're going to love three o'clock high. If you don't like that kind of eighties montage movie, you're going to hate this movie. So like this the opening is kind of your litmus test of this is what this movie is going to be. It's just this frantic montage of Casey Samachko, name is Jerry getting ready for school, trying to dry his clothes in the microwave, throwing a pop tart in there. And there's this really awesome uh, theme song to this movie. And again, this is the song I'd never even heard until a month ago. It's called something to remember me by, by Tangerine dream. And I've, I've had that on my iPod. That's like my workout song now. That, that song's fantastic. I was shocked I'd never heard the song before. I've heard it, and I can hear it in my head, but I never, I never knew the band or, or the title. For people who don't know, that's the, that's the song that I opened this podcast with. It played before my intro. It's, if, if you thought it was catchy, then you'll love the song. This movie just has a fantastic opening. It's just a wonderful, quirky 80s opening to a movie. And then yeah, Jerry and his sister and his girlfriend are rushing to school, and, and, and Jerry kind of says... It's just, it's one of those days. It's going to be one of those days. And he is not incorrect. 
Yeah, it's uh, I can I I might have to watch it again tonight just for the heck of it. <laughs> Look, I'm even selling this movie to someone who knows it. So this is for the other people who don't know this movie. See, hopefully this works for you too. But Randy knows this movie. I've already talked him into rewatching it. And and you're you're right. If, if about the the Rotten Tomatoes comment about if you can get through the first five minutes because the first five minutes is kind of stupid. Mm-hmm. Very. It's very eighties. And. and, and it's you know none of that funny editing and and nothing takes place in the first five minutes that is is remotely interesting. <laughs> uh, it doesn't get good until the the shot in front of the urinal at in the bathroom. <laughs> it's all about the urinal scene. That's what we look for in the movies. Okay, so Jerry gets to school and there's a this is another one of these shots that I really appreciate in this movie. It's one of these things that Spielberg didn't appreciate, but I think it's kind of fun where. There's this rumor already going around school. Oh, there's a new kid coming to our school today. His name's Buddy Ravel. He's like this big, scary guy. You know, he's killed people. He's stabbed people. He's never lost a fight. And he doesn't like to be touched. And it's the scene where it's like you hear it in passing. People are just having this conversation. And we'll cut from them. And we'll cut to another group of characters talking. And they just continue the conversation right right where the last one left off. And it's such a weird stylistic 80s shot that I can see why Steven Spielberg was already rolling his (laughs) eyes. He's like, no, no. Did uh, 10 Things I Hate About You come before or after this movie? That's after. That's definitely a 90s movie, so it would have been. Okay, so in 10 Things I Hate About You, you remember the the, the same thing, all the rumors about Heath Ledger's character. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, he ate, he ate a live chicken and, and spent two years in prison. And, you know, exact same thing. So I guess 10 Things copied uh, 3 O'Clock High. Yeah, and I don't think 3 O'Clock High copied anything. I think it was kind of making up this trope. Yeah. Okay, so, so yeah, so there's this big bully coming to school, and everyone's terrified of him. And again, we we went over this in the My Bodyguard podcast, where it's just the this the way that the grapevine works in high school that something, someone new is coming, something's going to happen, and everyone knows about it. And it's funny because that happened to me in high school. I remember this very specifically. That uh, Randy, I'm sure you'll laugh at the story that these these two girls had transferred to my high school. I think it was our senior year. And they were these blonde, hot, model-looking girls. And they were like the hottest girls I'd ever seen. And like the rumor going through the school by second period, everyone knew that these girls had transferred to the school and they were now part of our student body. And it was funny, by, by second period, every guy in the school had the hots for them. And by fourth period, every girl in the school hated them and was saying how fake they were. And no one had even met them yet. So I, was just, I, I had an experience with this once. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't miss high school. <laughs> Do you know? I also doing a little research today. I, I saw that uh, both Casey and uh, Richard Tyson are exactly the same age. They're they're, <laughs> they're both born in '61, so that would that would make them both 26 years old when they did this movie. Wow. Yeah, this is back in the era when yeah the, you have a 26 to a 30 year old playing a high school student, and I guess Shamajko can pull it off because he's kind of small. But yeah, Richard Tyson does not look like a high school student at any point in this movie. Well, you know, he could have been held back two or three years. That's true. Or he could be like a big football star or something. Yeah, you have no idea. Okay, so yeah, so Casey's at school, Jerry's at school, and it's just a regular day at school. He runs the student store. He's the manager there, and we get to meet his boss, played by, and this made me laugh when I saw this was a... uh, Jeffrey. Yeah, Jeffrey Tambor, who, who... there's so many other things people would know him from. Arrested Development is the one that I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing that I know him from. He's been in a lot of other stuff. But yeah, so Jeffrey Tambor shows up here with a little mustache. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah. I remember he, he was also in the uh, Michael Keaton movie, uh, Mr. Mom. Mr. Mom. He's the scummy he, boss. Right. He was Michael Keaton's boss. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, Jeffrey Tambor, just one of these guys who was kicking around as a character actor for many years. I mean, I remember him back in Three's Company back in the 70s. And so, yeah, he's just kicking around here. He shows up randomly as the uh, manager of the student store. He'll have maybe four lines in this movie. But yeah, so Jerry is just this good kid, good normal kid who uh, runs the student store. Nothing really interesting or exciting about him. And uh, very quickly, he's going to be introduced to the bully here, Buddy Ravel, who's going to show up. And basically, yeah, this is where the movie turns into a Western when <laughs> they all show these shots of like, Ravel. The camera is pointing up at him, making him look bigger than he is, or the <laughs> ominous music. Like, he's just this larger-than-life, just thug, and he looks like you wouldn't want to mess with him in high school. And, the, you know, the combat boots and the leather jacket. and Of course, all it's, the, all it's the perfect. Yeah, it's all perfect. the fixings, as they would say. <laughs> 
So Jerry shows up and his friends in class are telling him, hey, did you see this buddy guy? Did you see this bully that showed up at school? Like he's killed people. He's got a knife. He stabs people. And they're like, but he doesn't like to be touched. That's the thing I've heard. If you touch him, he's going to kill you. And so that's really going to be the point of this movie that Jerry's going to touch Buddy and it's not going to end up well. Yeah. And, and Jerry did not hear the part of about he doesn't like to be touched, if oh. you remember right. Okay, so I missed. Okay, that's I, I screwed that up. Randy has corrected me. Yeah, Jerry is the one person in school who does not realize that Buddy <laughs> has a thing about people touching him. And I think Jerry was assigned to write us an article in the school newspaper about the about the new boy Buddy Ravel, and that's what they were talking about in in the restroom. Yeah, so that's this is where we get to the aforementioned urinal scene that Randy is fond of, where. Uh, where, yeah, Jerry works for the school newspaper. He's been assigned to write a uh, piece on this new kid who has come to school, Buddy Ravel. And so Jerry just randomly runs into him in the bathroom. And Jerry knows this guy's a bully and he knows that he's scary. But Jerry's like, well, I'll disarm him. I'll just I'm going to write a, a, paper, a story about him for the paper. And Buddy is just standing there at the urinal. And of course, in the boys bathroom, you don't speak to other people at the urinal. They faux pas. I mean, I don't think I have to explain that. Most guys know that one. But Jerry starts speaking to him at the urinal, and then in a gesture of friendship, Jerry reaches over and pats him on the shoulder. And this is where the ominous music starts at the urinal, where Buddy looks down at the hand, just like again a Western. And Buddy says, you touched me. I don't like to be touched. And he's like, I have a lot of anger over this, and I need a way to work it off. We're going to fight, me and you, at 3 o'clock. And this is really, the whole movie goes from here. Yeah, and uh, I, you don't spoil the movies in, in these podcasts, do you? Yeah. You don't we don't want to... Well, we kind of walk through the plot of the movie, and there's a certain point where I'll tell the listeners if you, if you, if you want to watch it for yourself, stop right here, and I don't want and don't listen to the rest. So we can we can walk through it up to that point in this one if you want, because there are okay. some quirks in this movie. That's fine. I just didn't know how far we should go. Oh yeah, we did a village. We did a a podcast on the M Night Shyamalan movie, The Village, and if we got through that one without spoilers, I think we'll we'll be okay on this one. Yeah, and, and the whole, I mean, you 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 set the intro for the movie, and the entire movie is. It goes period by period, you know, from eight o'clock to nine o'clock to ten o'clock, and just a, a funny scene after funny scene with with you know Jerry trying to get out of the fight. Uh, and do you remember the do you remember the one class where they watched the film where they where they had the insects? Yes, the crab scorpion eats a cricket. Right, and that's that's very Survivor esque. <laughs> it is. You you've seen the TV show Survivor, I think. I have seen Survivor. Yes, as have you. I'm sure. Yes, I've seen a couple episodes. And, uh, you know, and that is very Wonder Years, if you remember that show. <laughs> yes. You That's my, whenever... wife, my wife's favorite TV show is Wonder Years. I, I know exactly which scene you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, they... well, they, they, they do it all the time where uh, an insect would be. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And then again, what Randy's saying is right, that the whole rest of the movie is. And again, if you haven't seen the movie, Jerry is just this tiny little shrimp. And Buddy, the bully, is easily twice his size and could easily kill anybody. And so Jerry is desperately trying to figure out a way to get out of this fight. And so Buddy basically tells him, don't leave the school. I'll find you. We're going to fight at three. There's nothing you can do about it. And that's really, again, it's the gunfight aspect of this movie. Like at high noon, we're going to have a we're going to have a gunfight and you better be there. Or I'm going to hunt you down. So, yeah. So the rest of the movie is Jerry desperately doing anything he can to get out of this fight. And I, I can't believe that I did not pick up on that that western uh, aspect of this movie is you know with the and and, and the title three o'clock high mm -hmm. just i'm such an idiot i wouldn't have caught it and except i was listening to like they do like a 25th year and 30 year anniversary screenings of this movie and the director will come and answer questions from the audience and that's where he really laid it out so it's not oh, where, that, where'd you see that i'd love to see that yeah just go on youtube and look up uh three o'clock high reunion or screening and there's all sorts of interviews with richard tyson and the director and this like a huge live audience like a lot of people really love this movie that grew up with it yeah it's a it's a I don't know if cult classic is, is the right term, but it's loved by not not enough people, you know. Not enough people to make it famous, but enough people that it it kind of developed a following on the Internet. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, back when it was on, if it was on TV or, or Showtime or something, you know, if I was flipping through the channels and I would see 30 seconds of it, you couldn't just stop. You had to you had to finish it. And that's yeah. something I've heard. I've read other reviews of people saying that, like, if you go to a YouTube video of people talking about this movie, they'll say the same thing. Like, if I see this on TV, I have to watch it. Like, if you see a scene, you see Buddy Ravel, you're like, I have to watch the rest of this movie. It's just one of those things that kind of draws you in the more you watch it. Right. Even if, you know, now I have my own digital copy that I can watch 10 times a day for the rest of my life if I want to. But if I'm flipping through the channels 
and see that it's on, I have to watch it. Yeah, it's funny how the 80s trains you that way. Yeah. <laughs> Growing up in the 80s, you're a slave to what's on TV at that moment. I have to watch this, even though I own it. Have you uh, heard that before? You may be onto something there. I have not, but you know my background's in psychology, so maybe there is an actual. So we've been lovost or something. We've been uh, pavloved into doing this somehow. Yeah, I, I think you're right because it, it's for whatever reason, it's more fun watching live on your TV as, as opposed to on your DVR or or on your flash drive or whatever. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times my wife has kind of made fun of me because we'll be watching TV and one of the Rocky movies is on and I have to watch it. And she's like, you ha- you own that movie. You've seen it a hundred times. And I'm like, I ha- I'm caught up. I have to see Rocky too. Adrian's in labor. She may die. Like, it's just, it's funny that yeah, I, I, I feel that exact same way. Yeah, I, I do on the Rocky movies also. <laughs> okay, so back to three o'clock high here. We're going to, uh, we're going to walk through some of Jerry's attempts to get out of having his ass pounded by Buddy Ravel here. So the first thing that happens is uh, Jerry's buddy says, well, here's something we can do to get you out of this fight. We can plant a knife in Buddy's locker. That'll get him kicked out of school. And Jerry's like, that sounds like an exceptionally bad idea that we're going to intentionally inflame the bully and try to get him thrown out of school. And so, you know, blah, blah, blah. Bad things happen. It doesn't get him kicked out of school. Buddy finds out that the lock, the knife was planted in his locker. And it will be the first thing that does not go well for Jerry in this process. First of many. First of many. Okay, so what else? I'm going to kind of skim through some things here. So, yeah, so the uh, B- Jerry's friend tries to plant the knife in Buddy's locker. Then we have a couple film students who have heard that this fight's going down. And, again, the, the grapevine in the school is fantastic. Everyone knows about the fight within half an hour. And now they're filming Jerry. They're like, hey, this would make a great documentary. We'll film you. And then one another guy says, hey, there's a betting pool on you, Jerry. Could you last at least five minutes or something? If, if, you, if you last that, that long, I get some money. So, again, now the fight's become this larger-than-life thing that everybody in the school has heard about and they're all excited about. So Jerry is, is terrified that this buddy, that this bully is going to murder him after school. All the school is ready to cheer it on because they want to see a fight. Because they're for people who, I don't know if it's like that in schools now, but if they're is a fight. If everyone knows that a fight's coming, it's like the biggest deal. Everyone's all excited. Was that was that your experience growing up as well? well that if there was a fight, everyone knows. Absolutely, and uh, and jumping jumping ahead to the end when the, when the actual fight takes place, there literally every single student is is at the fight. <laughs> you know, the the building has hundreds of students leaning out of the windows, and the parking lot is full. You know, it's just in real life. You know, there might be fifty people watching, but there was. You know, there there must have been a thousand extras in on this scene. <laughs> yeah, and the awesome thing is that they the school they picked for this movie is like massive. It looks like a big old medieval fortress. Right, and you it know was, where it was filmed, don't you? Yeah, I, w- I was just going to bring that up. I'll let you reveal it. But the the fun thing is, Kyle, I live in Southern California, and what I love doing when I watch movies is try to pick where this was filmed. And I, I had the, the hardest. Thing. Yeah, I had the hardest time with this movie because there's these mountains in the background. And the only place in California that has mountains in the background is like where I live out here in the Inland Empire in Upland or Ontario. But I'm like, I know this wasn't filmed here. Where? So my wife and I were trying to pick this out. Is that New Mexico? Is that Colorado? We could not figure out where this movie was filmed. And I will let Randy reveal where Three O'Clock High was filmed. I was guessing uh, California as well, because I've I've spent a little time in Southern California, you know, when you're in uh you know la or santa monica or, or wherever and the mountains are right there mm-hmm. and but no it was uh, actually filmed in in uh, ogden utah and i bl- i believe ogden is a is a suburb of salt lake is it not yeah it's a suburb of salt lake and apparently that is a real high school that's ogden high school or something like that it really does look like this big old scary fortress but i also read today that it was it, it was supposed to be based on the director or one of the producers or, or something's high school, which was t- which took place in California. Ah, okay. Yeah, it, w- it was filmed in 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 uh, Utah. Yeah, it's funny. There aren't that many movies I could think of that were filmed in Utah. And it's funny if you go to like I was, I've just been watching endless clips of Three O'clock High on YouTube the last couple of weeks in, in preparation for this. And it's funny every time there's a Three O'clock High video on YouTube, look at the comments below, and it's all these people that say like. Yeah, I was there. I was an extra that day or my brother was there that day. Like it was a big deal that they filmed a movie in Ogden and like all it touched all these people's lives. Everyone still remembers that it was this big, massive event that a Hollywood, you know, big Hollywood production actually came out to their town and filmed at their high school. So it was like this is a movie that has touched a lot of people over the years. Because yeah, there had to have been a thousand extras in, in the fight scene. Yeah, if, it's, it's huge. If not more. 
so skimming along the movie here. Yeah. So, uh, so Jerry's going to try to leave school. He's going to defy buddy's orders and go home. And, uh, he gets out to his car in the parking lot and the knife that they have planted in buddy's uh, locker has been jammed into his steering wheel with a little note that basically says, you can't get out of this. I'm going to hurt you at three (laughs) o'clock. And so, yeah, there's a whole thing with, okay, so Buddy's car, Jerry's car has been disabled. Uh, nobody believes him. He starts telling the principal. He starts telling the uh, the security officer, the Duke, the Duker. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so the, the, all these scary, I don't know why they had so many bald authority figures at the school, but everyone apparently is bald. And they're just, no one believes his story. And so Jerry's just screwed. It's this classic thing where the adults will not believe him, that he's dead meat and none of the authority figures are going to do anything to stop it. Another light bulb just went on off in my head, which is, you remember, I don't know if it happened with this scene. Remember his girlfriend's saying, you know, what does the guy do in in the old Western movie to get out of the gunfight? Yes. And the answer was, get yourself thrown in jail. And there's another, I I can't believe that the the Western thing I'm I'm just picking up (laughs) on now. I definitely have to do a rewatch to to pick up on more of these. And this is the most successful staff picks ever where I've gotten my co-host to go rewatch the movie, not just the audience. Well, I I hope they watch it because, I mean, it really is. I I can't imagine anybody not enjoying it. It's it's just really well done when he when he tries to get himself thrown in jail, which is get, you know, get sent to the principal office. You remember that scene, of course, that was classic. His book report. Yes, the book report with the okay. So let's skim through this again. And this is the point in the podcast. I'll just tell people if you want to watch this movie play out, just kind of stop listening here and go watch the movie because we're going to basically going to give away the rest of the movie. But yeah, so so yeah, Jerry does a couple things. He hires the star football player to go beat up Buddy. That doesn't work real well because Buddy basically murders this football player. What, and then what was that guy's name? You, Craig. His name is Craig. Craig. Yeah, I don't think we ever learned. Oh, Craig Matty. <laughs> yeah. Played by a guy named Mike Jolly. Yeah, <laughs> never heard of him. Let me let me IMDb and see if he did anything else. Oh my uh, God, he was in Forrest Gump. What? Who was Mike Jolly in Forrest Gump? Uh, let me see. Got to be a soldier or something. He was a club patron. <laughs> Is he one of the guys that yells at Jenny when she's when she's like singing nude on the stage? That must be Mike Jolly. <laughs> yeah, I bet you're right. <laughs> yes. So yeah, Craig, the uh, football player in Three O'clock High, was somewhere in Forrest Gump, and I'm hoping all the fans of Mike Jolly and the friend and the family members who are listening will write in to correct us who he played in Forrest Gump. Her dreams have come true. She's a folk singer. (laughs) Yes, she's on a big stage and everything. Yeah, he was. He's in. He's in tons of stuff. (laughs) He's a that guy. Yeah, he is. Okay, yeah. So, so yeah, Jerry hires the star football player. That doesn't work because Buddy, the bully, beats up the football player. And then, uh, and then what happens? Yeah. So rewatch that scene when all when all the bookshelves do the dominoes, <laughs> and when the last one goes over, the the two guys, Jerry and and Jerry's best friend, are standing there. You can't see them until the last bookshelf goes down. <laughs> yeah. it, it's just it's just beautiful. It's a wonderful shot. That that alone would have worked in any John Hughes movie. I mean, that's that, that is a fantastic shot. And I agree with you. I remember that scene as well. And, and I wonder how many if they didn't get that on one take. It would it would take days mm-hmm. to set all that stuff back up. Yeah. You need a, a domino expert in there to make sure that it's all structurally sound before they do it. Yeah. because You, you remember the statue of the, the knight in shining armor that, <laughs> that does a 360 to, to continue the domino effect. Yeah, it's a great shot. Any student of physics, that scene will warm your heart. The library scene when the, the bookshelves all get knocked over by Buddy punching the football player. Well, and, and what's what's so great about that scene? I mean, there's a ton of things that are great about it, but the, the, the fight doesn't take... I, I mean, it's not really even a fight. It's just Craig puts his fingers on Buddy's chest, and then it's over. <laughs> it's over. It, it, it's over, just in two seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. Okay, so yeah, so Jerry, he's tried to hire the football player. He's tried to flee the campus. He cannot figure out a way out of this. So like Randy said, the uh, the Western trope as well, if you don't want to be in a gunfight, you get yourself thrown in jail. So Jerry tries to get himself detention, and his plan to get detention is during a book report, he's going to smoke in class, and then when the teacher calls him on it and asks if he actually has anything to do, he's going to walk up and make out with her in front of the entire class, which is a... A wonderful little 80s moment that I hadn't seen in too many other movies. The kid full on making out with the teacher. You can see in that scene, you can see just how versatile and good of an actor Casey is. 
mm-hmm. when, when he's when he's smoking and, and walking through the, the class. And, you know, it was a good read, acting like a tough guy. And he's like, it was angry, sexual. And, you know, the way he looks at the girls and just classic. Yeah, that's the one time that, you know, every other moment in this movie, Casey Samachko has been this little wimpy little dork. But, yeah, for like five minutes in the movie, he starts playing a bunch of other characters. You can kind of see why they cast him as the henchman in Back to the Future and in uh, in, in uh, Stand By Me. Because, yeah, he, he plays a good little thug. Like, it's... Yeah, I, I absolutely learned to appreciate Casey from this movie. And like you said, he's he shows some really good range in this scene that you can see why this guy was in so many movies in the 80s and 90s. And so many people just don't even realize he was in them as as well. And I'm jumping ahead again, as well as the, the scene where Buddy Ravel insults him and, and, and calls him a pussy. Mm-hmm. And you, you can see the light bulb go on in Jerry Mitchell. And he turns from this nerdy, geeky coward into this badass not scared of anything it's wonderful yeah it's very reminiscent again the, the of mice and man i keep bringing up of uh the scene where curly walks up and points and pokes malkovich in the chest says you mess with my wife i'm gonna kill you like it's very similar to what exactly what happens here it's the exact same look that samashko gets it is and uh i'm gonna look at a whole bunch of these these movies that not only buddy reveals in and like mm-hmm. craig, craig maddie i've got to i've got to <laughs> watch forrest gump uh, <laughs> Randy's yes. going to be the first person to have a Craig Maddy viewing list on Netflix now. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's it, it's crazy if, if you go through the IMDb's, it could keep you busy forever. Yeah. All right. Well, I have a cameo here that's going to blow your mind if you don't know that she's in this movie. This is this is the one that absolutely blew me away when I realized who this was. Do you know who I'm about to talk about? The nurse? No, I do not. All right. There we go. This is the fun part when I get to blow Randy's mind. So uh, Jerry gets sent to the school nurse at one point. They're checking to see if he's okay, why he was making out with his teacher. And the nurse says, are you hypoglycemic? Would you like some cobbler? Which is a weird little scene. That nurse, the actor who plays the nurse, and even if I know it's her, I don't recognize her. That's Large Marge from Pee-wee's Big Adventure. That's the truck driver. Large. I, I I only saw Pee Wee's Big Adventure like once, maybe twice, but uh, but you I remember even, Large Marge, right? I remember the name for sure. Yeah, the big creepy claymation truck driver who delivers what I would argue is the greatest jump scare of any movie in the eighties because no one sees it coming the first time. My my kids are terrified of that scene. They will not watch Pee Wee's Big Adventure because of that scene. <laughs> <laughs> So for those who are scoring along at home, yeah, her name is Alice Nunn. She plays just one of these that guy character actors, and she shows up here in 3 O'Clock High as a nurse, and you would never know that that's Large Marge. How is she not in uh, this list of actors in 3 O'Clock High has 50, and she's not even listed? Yeah, that's that's how under the radar she is in this. And again, that blew my mind, because I was even looking for her. I saw her in the credits. I'm like, who is she? And I couldn't pick her out. Even when you know it's her, you don't recognize her. (laughs) Did, Did she have a name? Or just she was just a school nurse. Just nurse, I think. Okay. Just look for the nurse who offers him cobbler for no apparent reason. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, oh, here we go. Nurse, nurse Palmer. <laughs> nurse Palmer, one of her, one of her signature roles. Okay, Alice Nunn. Let me, let me IMDb her. <laughs> okay, three o'clock high. Murder. She wrote Simon and Simon. You remember that old show? I do. Yeah. Riptide, I remember that. Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Large Marge, Knight Rider, uh, Heart to Heart, WKRP in Cincinnati. She's been around. Yeah, and uh, there were so many actors just like that of that era. They just never, you never knew them by name, but they just made a steady living. Yeah, steady living of getting these roles. Eight is enough. The Love Boat. (laughs) I don't want Large Marge on my Love Boat. (laughs) Airport 75. (laughs) Ironside. Man, she's old. (laughs) I believe she may have passed, so I'm not sure we're showing the proper reverence for her. But yeah, that was Mayberry RFD. That show was in black and white. <laughs> That's right. She was terrifying oh. little Opie. She was a little claymation, little terrifying Opie back then. So she has passed away, you say? Let me see when she held. Yeah, she was born in 27. Jesus, she'd be 91 if she was alive. Yeah, I would assume that Large Marge has passed away because she was old in the 80s. Yeah, do- she died in 88, a year after uh, 3 O'Clock High was filmed. So this was her swan song. It was. Well, there you go. She died at age 60, which is pretty young. Huh. Since I'm going to be there in a couple of years. Well, hopefully your swan song is, is something as majestic as she had here in 3 O'Clock High. Yeah. 
Okay, so we are now in the last day of class or the last uh, period of class, and Jerry is just a nervous wreck. He's knows he's going to get killed. He tried to get in detention; it didn't work. He tried to flee school. He hired the quarterback, star football player. None of this worked. And now, basically, he uh, is and, basically and he, and he, yeah. He hired the Craig, and I think he gave him five hundred bucks. It was four, yeah, like all the money in the till at the students. It was four fifty. That's yeah. right. Yeah, so that failed, and so now Jerry has all this money that he had paid to Craig to beat up Buddy. Jerry's, Jerry's best friend gets three hundred and fifty dollars back, and let Craig keep a hundred because he he broke his fingers and got a couple of teeth knocked out. Yeah, for his suffering, he got a hundred dollars. That was a right. good price. Right. It was pre, this is pre lawyers, so that's a good payoff. So yeah, and and this is when Jerry gives the three hundred and fifty dollars change to Buddy Ravel mm-hmm. to. Uh, to, to bribe him when Jerry's before he offers him the money, he's like, you know, can't we be friends? Can't we at least just try to be friends? That, uh, that reminds me of me when I was getting bullied of when I'm saying, you know, I have no reason to fight you. Like you just wanted to be friends. Right. Uh, so let, let's be friends. And so you, you were not able to purchase friends much like Jerry was not able to. No, I didn't try to, uh, I didn't try to buy him off. Like I said, I just went screaming to the principal's office, like a little <laughs> crying bitch. I would have done that had I even got to that point. I would have just gone home and told my mom. So I did not even get, I did not even have the balls to tell the principal. I'd tell my mom. Well, I I didn't have the luxury of, of going home and telling my mom because this, the fight was going to be right after school, Mm. three o'clock high. Yeah. Those bullies are inconsiderate like that sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So Jerry has $350 and at the end of the movie, this is his last resort. He's like, I'll just pay the bully not to fight me. And so he pays Buddy, and Buddy's like, for three fifty? You kidding? And Jerry's like, shoot, take it. Just don't hurt me. And Buddy's like, okay, I'll take it. But like, you are aware that you're the biggest pussy on the face of the earth, Jerry. Like <laughs> you like I we're supposed to be in a fight and you're supposed to be a man and fight me and you're so wimpy you won't even do that. He's like, how does that feel? And it's kind <laughs> of a it's kind of a neat little speech. I like the way that Tyson delivers this one. Oh yeah. And and uh what else is he, he he's he's like you didn't even try. Yeah. As as a great line, and mm-hmm. you, and you could just you could just see the wheels turning in Jerry's head. Yeah, <laughs> although, although it's a bit out of character for him since he has been a pussy at a hundred percent of the time in this movie, and then all of a sudden he decides I'm not going to be a pussy. But yeah, I will like, appreciate like, it like, I, like I said at the beginning of this podcast is this this is a fantasy. Yeah, this is not Which, real. Again, I've I've heard a couple people watch this movie on my recommendation said eh, I didn't really like it. And I'm like, kidding. well, just. Yeah, just kind of watch it again. Let it grow on you. That's the thing. It's it's again. It's it's not it's not going to be the Breakfast Club or Sixteen Candles. It's not going to jump out at you as this masterpiece the first time. But again, it's it yeah. really kind of it just it just kind of gets under your skin and you remember it. That's all I can it, say about it. You're right. It it takes two or three to to mm-hmm. love it. And like I've done thirteen episodes of Staff Picks now. This is the movie that I've watched the most times in preparation. And it's still been in my head. Like I said, I've still listened to that song endlessly. This is the one that's kind of been hanging over my head. Like, I really want to do this movie justice because I've, I've been thinking about it more than the other ones. And it's and it's like Airplane or Airplane 2. Every time you watch it, you pick up on more stuff. Yeah. Either either things that are in the background or like, you know, posters in Jerry's room or or and, and every time you appreciate it more. Although I wouldn't even say this is something we brought up in other episodes that 80s comedies, especially teen comedies, weren't necessarily like laugh out loud. Like a comedy back then could just be quirky. Like it's not airplane in the sense that there's a gag every five minutes and you're laughing out loud. Like just appreciate some of the little details or the little camera shots or the angles. Like and again, that's that's kind of what an 80s comedy is like. It, it is funny, but it's in a different way. Like you're not sitting there laughing out loud the entire time. You just kind of admire this one. Right. Okay, so Jerry has been challenged to a fight. He's been called a pussy. And basically, he just kind of snaps at this point and says, you know, I've been pushed around this entire day. I'm sick of this. He tells Buddy, no, forget the money. We're going to fight after school. So there is indeed going to be a fight after school where little tiny Jerry will square off against Buddy. And this is uh, among the more signature scenes in this movie. If you go online on YouTube, there's lots of clips of the scene, the fight here at the end. Yeah, and the the, uh, editing of the last final punch where Jerry uses the the brass knuckles is it's genius. You know, the the audio is incredible. Mm -hmm. The the use of slow motion, you know, the the hair flip of of Richard Tyson is just perfect. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. It's again just a, a master class, and like you said, you have your background in video editing. There's a lot of little stuff that's done in this scene just to make it more interesting than just a fight scene would have been otherwise. Yeah, I, I can't believe I'm gonna have to watch it again tonight. Okay, so we're gonna spoil it for you here if you can't guess that that Jerry's gonna win the fight against Buddy, which is again it's a fantasy because there's a zero percent chance that would happen in real life, but in in the movie. The, the the school disciplinarian comes over, Buddy punches him out. Then the principal comes over, Buddy, I forget if he punches him out or threatens to punch him out. Basically, Buddy takes down the entire administration yeah. team and then basically any police and SWAT force that come in are not going to have a chance against Buddy either. And if and Buddy also goes to school the next day with no repercussions of, <laughs> of assault of the principal and the... <laughs> The, yeah. the head of security. Yeah, you got a warning. That's what that was in the 80s. If you assault the principal <laughs> and the head of security, you get a warning. And, and also, uh, another thing that's great is, you remember when the principal's down on the ground, and mm-hmm. it's, it's the last minute of the fight, and the principal wakes up from being unconscious, and he screams out, Don't fuck this up, Mitchell! <laughs> now, that's funny. That That's a good laugh. So basically nobody, there's this big fight, Jerry wins, and again, he wins because Buddy drops his brass knuckles, Jerry picks up the brass knuckles, tags him in the face, it's a good shot, and then again, everything, everyone lives happily ever after, Jerry wins, the hot girl loves Jerry, Jerry returns the money to the student store, he and Buddy become friends, and of course, like Randy said, Buddy was in school the next day, Uh, presumably I'm guessing because we're filming in Utah, maybe the Mormons are very forgiving towards violence, I'm not sure exactly. Why Buddy's there the next day. And that really, that's the end of the movie. The theme song starts up again, Something to Remember Me By. Uh, and then, again, that ties into the theme of the movie. And again, it's just one of those cute, quirky 80s movies that, again, I am flabbergasted that I'd never heard of it or even seen it before. And I'm so happy that, Randy, that you brought it into my life. Because this is one of those movies that I've been recommending to people now over the, just over the past two, three weeks. Good. Well, I, I told you. <laughs> you did. You've done what? See, you warned me about that, Junior. I've been doing this longer than you have, and you did indeed prove yourself. I really yourself call on you Junior. One. That doesn't sound like something I would say. You might have called me the F word or something. I'm kind of cleaning it up. <laughs> okay. Okay. That sounds like something I would say. <laughs> okay. So anyway, yeah. Um, Randy, anything else you'd like to add before we sum up and and send our minions off to go watch yet another underrated movie from the '80s? No, I think I think we covered it. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna have to go back and 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 listen to some of your old podcasts. This was this was fun. Yeah, it's really fun to dig into these movies with people who grew up with them, uh, because it's just reminiscent. And, and I always try to get people to tie in stuff from their life and do it. Like, what were you like in school? How does this affect you? And it's really fun some of the stories that people come up with. Yeah, and I I just love looking at the that guy in the credits and and mm-hmm. cross reference movies and every single movie. You can be amazed with going through every little bit part. And then just one small trivia fact. And again, this is because I'm a huge nerd and I just catch stuff like this in movies. I love sharing my nerddom with you. There's two different buckwheat posters in this movie in the background, which I just love because in the 80s, that was kind of a thing where Eddie Murphy had played buckwheat on SNL. And then everyone had like buckwheat T-shirts and posters, which appear appears horribly racist when you look at it now like i have pictures of myself in college with a buckwheat poster behind me which looks terrible but that was indeed a thing in this era 85 through 88 and there are two different buckwheat posters in this movie if you care to go looking for them is one that i mentioned earlier that in jerry's room yeah one is in jerry's room and then one is in the student store (laughs) <laughs> okay, so I do apparently- remember the one in, in the student store because you know there's several minutes of the movie that take place in the student store. Okay, I, I remember it now. Yeah, I like to think that they were selling buckwheat posters in the student store, which is even better. But we don't we don't have a confirmation on that. Well, eighty seven would be about the time that that buckwheat was at his uh, most popularity with <laughs> SNL. Well, Murphy had left the show by then, but there was like a big renaissance in like reruns of his show, shows and stuff. Okay, because, I mean, the real buckwheat was back in the 50s, wasn't he? I think 30s. <laughs> Four, yeah, but before my time, even. Yeah. And then buckwheat peaked in the 80s. <laughs> okay. okay, I just want to thank Randy for joining me. That was a lot of fun, a nice little walk down memory lane in a mo- with a movie that uh, most people are not aware of. So I'm really hoping you guys give this one a chance. Three o'clock high. Again, it's not a John Hughes movie, but it's really the next step down which is not that far a step, to be honest. I think it's a fun representation of the movies it's, of that era. It's it's a different step. You know, it's 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 a, it's a side step. Yeah, it's a side step. It's it's not 
you know, I would, it's just as good as a, a Hughes film, but it's just, it's, it's different. It's not a Hughes film. Yeah. It's fantasy. It's again, we're, it's kind of a transition into what we're going to see more of in the nineties. All right. As always, my name is Mario Lanza. This is Staff Picks. You can reach me if you have any feedback, any suggestions at staffpickspodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach me on Twitter at Mario J. Lanza. As always, keep an eye out there for those underrated or underloved movies, and we'll be back in April with some new episodes. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Don't fuck this up, Mitchell!